0: from Wispolitics in Madison. You're listening to Capital
1: Chats. Hello everybody, this is Kate Morton with wispolitics.com here with a Capital Chats podcast brought to you by Spectrum. Today, I'm here with my colleague, Adam Kelnhofer to talk about an interview he did with Department of Safety and Professional Services Secretary, Dan Harreth. So Adam, tell us about the interview.
0: Hi, Kate. Yeah, I got to catch up with Secretary Dan Harris to talk about some of the issues that he's been working on resolving at the Department of Safety and Professional Services. Uh, Most of those issues involve a backlog of licenses that kind of uh, culminated during the pandemic. There were a lot of issues that were uh, kind of coming to term before the pandemic, but the pandemic really kind of um, put the screws on. So let's just hear what he had to say about addressing that issue. Today, I am joined by the Department of Safety and Professional Services Secretary, Dan Harris, uh, to talk about some of the uh, improvements on the licensing front at the DISPIS, because... During the pandemic, there were some issues with licensing delays and uh, a lot of people called it a backlog, but things have been improving. I listened to your joint finance committee testimony and it sounds like the backlog has at least been improved or completely gone away. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you know, certainly like like all uh, all businesses or industries, we faced uh, pressures during the pandemic. Uh, we, inside of uh, less than a month, we stood up a, a pandemic-related pandemic related licensing process, commonly referred to as an Act 10 license, uh, which which allowed uh, flexibilities for our our healthcare workers throughout the state. You know, that was on top of a national trend of of increasing uh, licensure uh, over the last uh, roughly, uh, well, really over the last uh, 70 years, licensing has been increasing, but certainly over the last uh, 10 years, our license volume has more than doubled um, and in fact, uh, you know, over the last eight years specifically, we have 49 new credentials that have been added uh, to, to the department as licensed occupations. So really, you know, just, just a, a definite increase in growth in the demand and, and uh, alongside aging processes, right? For the better part of the last 20 years, we certainly had a level of austerity throughout government. Um, and and haven't necessarily invested in in the people, the processes, and the technology necessary to to operate in a modern age. And so for for us, um, you know, coming out of that, uh, trying to address those things was really about uh, uh, meeting our our customers, our constituents, where they're at, and and that's with a, a modern platform, a cloud-based platform that uh, is mobile ready, uh, that really. Uh, in many ways, puts them in the driver's seat of the process. Um, certainly happy to get into that a little bit more, uh, but I don't know how weedy you want to get here. Um, yeah, I mean, we can we can definitely talk about you know any
0: anything that's like kind of improved the process here and like how how we're speeding things along and making sure people get their licenses approved and everything if they deserve it, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, that's the that you know I, I do want to kind of stop there for a minute and talk about how it's it, you know our goal is to to license uh, qualified applicants as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. And and as you can imagine, um, uh, dealing with over two hundred and forty different license types is really a, is really like having over two hundred and forty different assembly lines. And, and all with different suppliers that have inputs into the process, whether that's educational institutions, employers, uh, applicants themselves. And so, how do we how do we centralize a lot of that capability? Automate some of it? Uh, certainly, make make uh, you know some of it uh, more uh, direct in terms of, of uh, technological communication between uh, the department and, and national testing organizations or educational institutions. Um and then how do we ensure that we keep the safety piece right first and foremost in that discussion? I I don't know if you know this right now, but there is actually a national investigation into nursing transcript fraud, and so uh, there have been instances across the country of of nurses uh, who who have been on the floor who haven't necessarily been educated to the to the standards that that. Uh, are are held throughout the nation, and so that's obviously a big safety concern and something that we at the department take very seriously. And so while we're we're highly focused on technological improvement and automation, we want to make sure that those high value pieces of the process, the 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 parts that really truly keep people safe, re- remain uh, a, a core component of of the work that we do. Um, you know, in terms of the technology, uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's really about putting people in the driver's seat. Um, It means it means that the the applicant is is completing a lot of the uh, the data entry uh, directly so that that we're not transcribing, taking handwritten uh, forms and trying to transcribe them into the system. So that alone saves lots of work and lots of uh, a high reduction in error. Mm. Um, And then and then it takes it uh, to a place where. uh, instead of a, I call it first in first out. So I, I grew up working in restaurants. Um, and and uh, while that, that's good for rotating food stock, that's not necessarily the most efficient and effective way to process licenses. And, and so for us, the, the focus really needed to be on the applicants that were most active in the process, and how quickly could we move through returning and responding to their inputs to the process. So if they submit a new piece of documentation that that moves them along the licensing process, how quickly can we respond to them and say, hey, yeah, that's right, or wait a minute, it's not quite what we need, go back and get this additional information so that we can check this this, uh, requirement off of your list. And so it's it's expediting that discussion and really putting our focus on those people who are highly engaged in our process uh, that has led to our improvements Uh, overall. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, to talk a little bit uh, about our our budget request, um, one of the critical pieces of the process really is that human connection. And so as as much as I'm a big fan of automating the the parts that should be automated and making things as technologically friendly as possible, uh, the reality is, for us, uh, 65-70% of people move extremely fast through our new process, uh, uh, you know, uh, warp speed if you're a Star Trek fan. But the the we have that other cohort that really, that 25, 30% of folks that, that just need additional assistance, whether it's they don't understand something or that maybe they're not going through a non-traditional process, as many of our licenses have uh, multiple pathways to enter the profession, not necessarily a specific degree program or a specific type of education, but more a culmination of their experiences. Um, that's great for Wisconsin. That's flexibility that we need to get people into the workforce, uh, but it but it makes uh, the process more complex and it, and it makes things uh, sometimes more confusing for our applicants. And we need people uh, to be able to assist those applicants uh, when they need that assistance and really take that 20 to 30% that aren't a part of the Warp Speed Group and move them into the Warp Speed Group. And so that's what this budget's about. Um, Uh, We've asked for a number of additional processing staff. We've asked for a number of additional call center staff. Um, You know, I, 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 you mentioned you listened to our, our uh, JFC testimony, Mm -hmm. Um, and and I talked very candidly about the fact that uh, uh, we had to hire 22 contract staff with federal funding in in order to take our answer, our call answer rate from 37% to 97%. So we have six uh, FTE answering. Uh, five to 10,000 phone calls a week. That math simply doesn't work. And so uh, as if you do the short math on it, the back of the envelope math, um, six people got us 37%. It took additional 22 contract staff who, by the way, are more expensive on an annual basis to get us to a 97% answer rate. And in my experience, full-time staff have a, a higher level of ability uh, they build a better bank of knowledge to answer questions of, again, about 240 different license types. Uh, that's not something that, that you can learn as a contract staff, no matter how good you are overnight. And so um, 14 additional call center staff, uh, FTE in our budget, to, to be able to answer those questions when people call. And then 16 additional processing staff. And, and those processing staff are really about meeting our customers where they're at and creating a direct link between the applicant and our customers. As we sit here today, if, if I ask our, our uh, license review staff to focus on responding to customer calls, uh, for every call they took, it'd be five licenses they didn't review. And so, um, but, but at the end of the day, the most efficient and effective way to answer questions is for the person who's actually reviewing your application to be able to talk to you. And so so, by adding those sixteen additional processing staff, it allows us to distribute the work in a way that we can create a more direct line of communication between the applicant and the person reviewing their application. because at the end of the day, this is really all about Wisconsin's workforce and making sure that that um, we're getting people uh, efficiently and effectively into that workforce while keeping the citizens of Wisconsin safe. You know, I mentioned also in that JFC hearing that that Wisconsin is currently you know, from a, from a timing perspective, our averages are currently right in line with uh, some of our sister states in Illinois and Michigan. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't wanna, and, and I know this isn't a, a football podcast, but I don't, I don't wanna just be the same as Illinois and Michigan. I wanna beat Illinois, I wanna beat Michigan because uh, we really are, in a sense, in a war for workers uh, as, 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 as demand for uh, educated licensed professionals increases. Um, And, and population is sort of at a, at a flat uh, point uh, throughout the nation. Um, It really is going to take everything and everybody contributing to, to attract new uh, workers and, and quite honestly, keep, keep our workers here, keep our young folks uh, graduating uh, just this last couple of weekends uh, in jobs here in the state of Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. So you you mentioned a lot of those. There's there's a lot of licenses out there and it's only kind of been increasing over time. Are are there any kind of areas or professions you can see for kind of condensing that number of licenses or getting rid of some license requirements or kind of uh, just condensing the process, I guess?
1: Yeah, I, I think condensing is a really key word. So about a week into my tenure as secretary, uh, one of the first things I did was meet with our nursing board chair, and we had a, a requirement that said uh, you have to review all of these graduation documents before you can authorize these students to to take their national examination. And so for for us, obviously, we're not going to issue a license uh, until somebody has demonstrated that they've graduated from an an appropriate course of study. But, 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 you know, should we delay them from taking their national exams because we have to go one by one and review th- their graduation certificate at that time? Um, I, I felt, and the nursing board thankfully felt, that the answer was no. If, if we take them at their word and, and they tell us they're graduating on May 16th, on the day after May 16th, let's automatically approve them to take their national exams. And then during that three to four week period where they're scheduling those exams, studying for those exams, taking those exams, we can then review that, that documentation and we can review other documentation to really maximize uh, the process. So, so you said condense and, and what I hear is taking uh, an iterative process and making it concurrent, right? So t- making as many steps in the process as concurrent as possible. As it relates to some of the requirements for licensing, you know, that's certainly within the purview of our, our boards as well as our our uh, our legislature, and and I think um, it's always good to be evaluating uh, these things to ensure that we're we're only instituting the latest national standards and that that um, we're we're doing the the things in the process that keep people safe because at the end of the day. Um, uh, you know, I always say, and I think I stole it from a, from maybe a, from a Granger, uh, commercial, but safety's in our name. Right. And so if, if we're not keeping that first and foremost in our mind, um, we're, we're not really doing this, the citizens, the, the justice they deserve. And, and so, um, while, while we're all in on technology, we're all in on, on making sure that we're resourced in a way that makes this process, uh, uh, the best process in the nation, um, we we will always continue to uh, make sure that we're keeping people safe as a part of it as well. Yeah.
0: Um, so you've talked a lot about, or a little bit, I guess, about the budget. The budget is a huge document, so it's kind of hard to fit it all in this one podcast. Um, but are there, is there any kind of uh, separate legislation you would like to see to kind of help speed licensing along?
1: yeah i you know there's been a number of pieces of legislation i know flowing through the legislature and i i certainly have some ideas um you know i've had very good conversations with with some of the the, the key legislators uh, including uh, representative sortwell uh and others um uh, around uh, how we feel about some of the legislation obviously uh we there are pieces of of some of them that that we like and there are pieces of some of them that we don't like but it's just a matter of sort of moving through that that process uh i i know in particular today we uh, there's uh, coming up in a hearing is a is a bill to adjust renewal times um you know we've we've expressed that uh we certainly have an interest in having that discussion and that that you know there are concerns that arise as a part of of, of making those type of adjustments but 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 we feel that, that we can work together to, to mitigate some of those concerns and get to a, a place where, um, you know, it, it, it could provide, provide benefit uh, to the process as well as continue to keep the citizens of Wisconsin safe.
0: All right. Well, I think that's
1: uh, all I have time for today. So thank you very much for joining me on today's podcast. Happy to be here. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity and uh, look forward to connecting in the future. Thanks for sharing that interview, Adam. So if our listeners want to check out more about these budget discussions, they can head to our budget blog at wispolitics.com.
0: That's right, Kate. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnhofer.
1: I'm Kate Morton.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Capital Chats, brought to you by Spectrum.